What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today, we've got Matt Smolin, the co-founder and CEO of Hang. Hang is the first Web3-powered membership platform that supercharges loyalty and reinvents how brands interact with their customers. For anyone looking to dive into the world of NFT memberships and real use cases of utility, this is for you. Matt, what's going on, man? Nice to meet you. How's it going? Great to meet you, too. I'm doing well. Where are you calling from? I'm calling in from Los Angeles. How about yourself? Nice. I am in beautiful Brooklyn, New York right now. Lovely day outside. Definitely. It's not too bad over here either. So tell us, besides your name being Matt, who do we have here today? My name is Matt. Um, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Hang. We're building the future of membership and loyalty for brands, leveraging NFT technology. Love it. And where are you from? I'm originally from Chicago, but not in LA these days. Nice. And so before you were an entrepreneur, you were a trader. What gave you the confidence to make that jump? So it's not the most straightforward path. Uh, out of college, I went back to Chicago and was working as a trader there, first at a, a bigger bank and then a small prop shop. And through that, learned a lot about market structure and actually had some ideas of my own as a result of that, that I just didn't know what to do with. And Happened to kind of like fortuitously take a job out in SF at this large fund where I started off really was making investments then into like private equity and venture capital funds and some direct stuff. And through interfacing with a lot of VCs and learning about startups, realized that some of these ideas that I had made sense and used, using some of my kind of background and knowledge of, of being a trader and how markets operated had a pain point of my own that I just thought I had to go for. And so, you know, left that to start the company, the first version. Prior to Hang, you actually launched another company called Headliner. And what's interesting is the logos are the same. Very curious. What's the overlap between Headliner and Hang? So it actually originally started as a company called Agora, which which is Headliner. And Agora is like the idea of the ancient Greek marketplace. Um, I'm a fan of a lot of things in this world, but there are certain bands that I'm just crazy about and always had issues buying tickets on the secondary market. And for my time as a trader, seeing a much more efficient market structure, I thought, you know, tickets are essential commodities. Why can't tickets be bought and sold like stocks or crypto or even something like StockX? And so left that job uh, in SF and, and started a company to make it much simpler and easier for consumers to buy tickets, making giving them the ability to bid, having kind of demand be apparent and visible to consumers and making it really easy to sell. And that then, Agora wasn't the best name. We changed it to Headliner, got to a point where we were really selling like more tickets to the largest concerts in the Bay Area than StubHub and Ticketmaster resale combined, saving fans tons of cash, raised a little bit of money, moved it down to Los Angeles, continued to grow it. We were actually starting to build out like this social layer to live events because we'd have thousands of people entering a venue all at the same time for the same artist through our app. And COVID hit like right as we were launching that. And so basically the... You can't really run a ticketing business if there are no events. And so I had to think about what was next for us. And do we shut down the company? Do we try to pivot in somewhere else? Do we wait it out? And pretty quickly pivoted Headliner into this kind of like virtual event space, working with some pretty big artists on ticketed live streams, virtual meeting greets, masterclasses, merch shops. Not because it was my passion, but it was just something for us to do. And there was an opportunity there at a time when artists and creators really couldn't perform or 
make money as a, or make money as a result. And there's a longer story there, but worked with a lot of big artists like Billie Eilish and Gabriel and Diplo and many others and continue to build that business. And somewhere along the way, my brother actually got really deep into NFTs and was pretty early in a lot of the bigger projects and saw some opportunity there. But in mid 2021, it was really hard to create an NFT collection. It felt almost like, you know, I was, I was very young in the early nineties, but at that time it could cost a million dollars to create a web-based platform because there weren't engineers um, readily available. There weren't platforms, there wasn't infrastructure. And so it could be really expensive. And in mid 2021, building an NFT collection was like, you know, could be really expensive as well. And you have to basically go to the underworld of Twitter to find somebody that won't show you their face or name and charge you way too much. And a lot of the artists, agencies, labels, managers came to us saying, hey, you have all these ticket gated experiences for our, our artists. Is there a way to create token gated experiences? And what started as this good old feature became a platform in its own right that enabled anyone to launch NFTs and then have these different types of experiences. And the moment when we, when we launched it, the last day of November of 2021, we instantly had interest from a variety of areas. The artists and creators we were already talking to, people like my neighbor who wanted to turn his poodle into a million dollar PFP project and brands. And you know, I'll, I'll stop here in a second, but you know, we, we pretty quickly saw a much larger opportunity with brands because there were real problems that exist today that NFT-based membership and loyalty, we thought can really solve for them. It, it is quite interesting. Obviously, COVID was detrimental to a lot of people and their careers, but there was a lot of great that did come out of it. And it sounds like this pivot definitely was one of them, which now leads us to Hang. So give us a little bit more of the elevator pitch and what you're actually building over at your organization. Sure. So I'd say like when we started building this, the idea around brand related kind of NFT memberships wasn't the most obvious idea, but especially as the markets kind of turn and any random kind of PFP project isn't what it once was. And looking at big brands like Starbucks and whoever else that are really kind of pushing towards membership and loyalty for NFTs, it's become a more obvious idea. What we found was, you know, at the, really the top of this year and even a little bit before, 99% of brand-related NFTs are really kind of almost like worthless at this point or, or really haven't proven any value to consumers. But there are real structural problems that brands face today that we believe that NFT-based membership loyalty can solve. It's never been more expensive for brands to acquire customers. It's just a fact. And I think it's more real today than yesterday and more real than the day before that. And it's for a variety of factors, but CAC like has risen so much as a result of the fact that with these with the new iOS update and changes to pixel tracking and all these things, it's really hard for brands to reach users in an economic and scale in an economic way. Not to mention the fact that, you know, so many there's so much software out there that makes it so easy to create a brand today. That wasn't the case a couple of years ago. And so there's just so much noise out there. And as a result for most brands, especially brands at a certain scale, it's almost impossible to hack away a CAC. And it's far more, far more interesting for, to give brands the ability not so much to try to hack away at it, but actually offset that. And the best way to do that is to increase the overall value of your user base. You know, this is something that brands have done historically through loyalty programs, retention marketing strategies, community building but they all fall short in certain areas. It blows my mind how many brands don't even have dedicated loyalty programs when you don't count um, getting an email with a discount code on your birthday. I think like even the ones that are out there are pretty archaic. They're hard to set up, hard to change, hard to integrate. They don't fully incentivize users. Retention marketing is just in a spam. Community building is difficult for, for big brands to kind of set up and, and scale. And what we found is that NFT-based membership and loyalty is far better at engaging retained customers than any of these things. And so there's a few reasons for that that we can go into really around like interoperability and liquidity or incentives. 
But because of these factors, you know, we believe that this kind of is the future. And for us as a platform, sure, we can mint and launch your collection, but we can also take an existing collection and bring it into our system. What we're really building is an enterprise marketing platform, you know, a customer engagement platform that enables a brand to come in there, set up different tiers, add in benefits, add in rewards, rules, logic, integrate with their POS, CRM, all their third-party software, and be able to really create, manage, and grow these programs that really kind of hit the bottom line of their user base. Let's say that you are a brand, you already have a loyalty program set up already. Why do you think they're not working? So again, I think that there, it would blow your mind if you look at the number of brands out there that don't have true loyalty programs. And it doesn't only have to be loyalty. You know, there's been really some brands like Uber and, and DoorDash have been really successful with paid membership programs where you pay five bucks a month and get a set number of benefits. I think on the loyalty side, some have been really, you know, some are amazing and, and some are not. Um, we think that airlines do a really good job as a user ranks up or as a user takes an action that the brand wants them to take, and in this case flies more. Um, they get to rank up within a system, they get more benefits. But there's a psychology there because you have to always keep moving. You have to keep taking that action um, to keep that status and to rank up upward versus like a credit card where you earn these points and you spend them and there's no real status that, stay, that sticks. So I think like in many cases, it, it depends on the brand. What we found is that a lot of these systems, especially for the really big companies, are built internally. They took years and a lot of money to build. They're really hard to change. They're hard to integrate with third parties. You know, a, a huge coffee chain might have this amazing loyalty system, but all you can do is buy coffee from this one place. There's no way to leverage that that status or those points or those benefits elsewhere, which seems, you know, a little bit old school at this point. And so I think there's a variety of reasons why these systems don't work so well and can be better. But at the end of the day, it's just around incentivization. Like, are these programs actually incentivizing users beyond getting that extra cup of coffee or that extra flight? I think there's ways where NFTs can actually expand that quite a bit and bring users much closer to the brands that they love. And so let's dive into that even more. You know, a huge theme of something that you believe in is that you feel that you could build these new relationships between consumers and brands. And you speak about this with these shared incentives with reciproc, recipro why am I dying here? Reciprocating. Reciprocating and community. What does this actually mean? How is Hang actually solving for this? Sure. So I think about it in like two parts, really. There's this third part around piece around identity, which I think is super interesting and could mean a ton for the future and alone is a reason for brands to move this way. And I'm sure that there's like a hundred other reasons, but the areas that we really think about again are like liquidity or incentives and interoperability. So when you think about liquidity, similar to the program I just spoke about, Within an airline system, Delta Sky Miles, let's say, as a consumer, I fly more Delta, I get to that next level status, I get benefits as a result. I'm incentivized to do so, so I can get to that level and continue upward. The difference with NFTs is there are now liquid secondary marketplaces where these things can be resold, where there is activity and there have been habits and built up. Each of these, you know, these marketplaces will be very, very difficult for brands to build in their own right. And because it's an NFT or the vehicle's an NFT and I can actually own the status, as a consumer, I'm no longer only incentivized to take these actions to get just to get to that new tier and add more benefits, but because as I rank up, I'm actually appreciating the value of an asset that I truly own. And because there's liquidity, I can have a liquidity moment and sell this thing or even maybe rent it out. And the cliche thing to say is, you know, it's something that turns your customers into stakeholders in your business. But we do think that that's true. 
think like maybe there's a burger chain that's one block for me and one that's five blocks for me. And the one that's one block for me, I just have a normal membership at, you know, if I have an NFT membership with one five box way, it's worth me walking the extra five blocks. Cause it's not just, you know, it's not just a pure transaction anymore. I'm actually appreciating the value of the product and appreciating my net worth. And so we think that this truly does bring consumers together. I mean, like when you look at the NFT market in general, over the last two years, look at all the new art collectors that entered the market that would have never been there before that saw that liquidity and had better incentives to get get involved and look at where, where the market is now. And so I think it's just something that truly does kind of bring brands and consumers together at a time where it's really needed. You know, years ago, you can walk down the street and go into your local sandwich shop or restaurant or Kinko's. It doesn't matter. And the people behind the desk knew your name. And now we're in kind of the sea of data where it's just not the case anymore. So we think this does bring consumers together um, and, and brings them together with the brands that they love. On the other side, when you look at interoperability, there, as NFT integration endpoints become standardized across the digital world, and even the physical world for that matter, it makes it orders of magnitude easier to integrate an NFT-based membership or loyalty program into third-party apps and websites. Kind of similar to I already mentioned, what I already mentioned, look at big brands and their loyalty systems today, you know, a huge coffee chain app that has a loyalty system that probably is worth the many more than many banks on this earth all you can do is buy coffee and the effort for them, for them to do third-party integrations with a twitter with a shopify fortnite Ticketmaster, you name it is just too difficult so by having the vehicle be an nft what it does is it enables these brands to have new forms of perks benefits earning moments experiences in places they've never been before while enabling their customer base to come together anywhere in the physical or digital world when we talk about the interoperability, I just want to understand a use case there. Is the idea as simple as a large coffee chain who has an NFT being able to now say, hey, if you own a Jeep NFT, we can give you rewards as well? Is that is that what you're getting at in this form of interoperability? That That is something that could be true and, and is, is a way that it could work. And again, I'm using coffee because it's a loyalty program that everybody knows, but it could be an apparel company or a sports team um, or a trading platform for that matter. You know, anywhere where there is a need for loyalty, which is so many businesses across the world. Now, I think what you mentioned is a good example. Um, when you think about like Uber actually did an integration with an airline. I don't know if it was like American or Delta or whoever, where the points were shared between both programs. And it took them a year to build that that integration out because it's it's just two totally different systems. And when you think about the standardization of you know what blockchain does and, and how it creates the standardization for ways for companies and brands and platforms to interact with each other, it just makes those integrations much easier. And so your example is right. I think another way to think about it is I might, to keep that example, I might own an NFT from this coffee shop. And because there's a partnership with other local businesses in the area, this coffee NFT, as I get to status number, you know, as I get to level level two status, I now get a ten percent discount at the burger restaurant down the street, and at the and at the local clothing store three blocks away. And because they're all you know using NFTs as a vehicle, it's very easy for me to bring that in person or go to a brand's website and connect my wallet and see that. You know, a sports team could say, if you go to this many games this year or buy this much apparel, you level up. And maybe that sports team has a partnership with someone like Fanatics that does all their clothing. And when I go to that Fanatics website, or when I go to Fanatics website and I connect my wallet, it sees that I get 10% off on Bulls tickets or Bulls, or Bulls merch rather. And so it's just a way for on one end brands to be able to work with each other in a more harmonious way and offer benefits that not only enable them to acquire each other's customers, but actually like increase the value of their existing loyalty, which helps their brand. 
And on the other side, look at businesses like big beer brands or fashion companies that sell through other partners. You know, like your favorite beer company, you might be buying at a bar or at a grocery store or at a, a you know, a, a corner store. And when you think about that, that company has no idea who its consumers are. And so having the ability for me as a user to carry this thing with me, because I'm incentivized to make sure that I acknowledge that I'm buying this product and the brand knows about it. It's better for the brand. I can level up my kind of status with that brand and the grocery store is better off because I'm more incentivized to purchase. And when you look at any product selling on the sheet on the, you know, at Walmart, at CVS, at Nordstrom, it's kind of the same story. Yeah, it's interesting. If you're a beer company, your first party data is distributors. It's not exactly. the act. It's not the actual consumer who's drinking the beer itself. And so there is that massive drop off. So that's a great use case. Let's educate the listeners here. Let's say I'm working at a brand and I read about this company called Hang. I start listening to this podcast. At what point of my NFT process am I bringing your team into the fold? So we have a full suite solution. Our plan is to be like really an abstraction layer. That's a totally codeless platform that enables any brand marketing team, agency, you name it, to have a full you know, start to finish solution to create the NFT itself, launch the program, um, build out all the loyalty or membership system, constantly add and remove benefits, uh, partner with other platforms and manage the program and actually be able to like track and watch it to see how it's doing. And so we integrate with, you know, whatever your POS system is, your CRM, third-party software that you might need, um, other platforms and partners that make it easier for the consumer as well to onboard. It just comes down to what you want to do. So if you want to launch through us, you know, we, we currently, we currently have support for Ethereum, Solana and Polygon. That's mostly what people have been asking for. Um, and you can actually like launch the entire thing through us. But at the same time, as a brand, you can actually take an existing collection that maybe you already have out there because you have, a, as a brand, you have this PFP collection that isn't really showing any value to your users or because you're using another solution for minting and actually import it into our system and build the whole membership around it. So either way works, you know, we've actually had an interesting use case come up of the ability for brands to import a, con you know, a, a, a well-known contract, whether it's Bored Ape or whoever, and want to add benefits to that contract that any user who holds an NFT actually can, can own or, or redeem. And so while yes, our, our core focus is increasing the lifetime value of your existing user base as a large brand, um, because our platform is pretty nimble, existing brands can actually add benefits to other communities that actually do drive acquisition as well. You know, a huge differentiator for Hang is the idea of integrations. Can you tell us a little bit more about like what some of these integrations look like? Sure. So I think like a, a part to just mention that is that we think of things in a very, we're just a very pragmatic team. Our goal here is to create a better relationship for brands and consumers and solve real business problems versus doing the cool thing that might get you a little press for a day. And we're not against that. We hope that you get that press, but we actually want to be there for the long term as a SaaS driven technology company, like being a hits driven business just doesn't work. And so when we think about the world today, 99.9 .9 or whatever number of people out there don't actually have a crypto wallet yet. And the last thing we want to do with a big brand whose audience is tradition is more traditional consumers is make them actually bring a wallet with them and pay with Ethereum. And so our on-ramps are, are super simple for a consumer, whether it's paid or free. On a paid side, they can pay with a credit card and use an email. On the free side, like we can make it so simple so a consumer can scan a QR code in person, get a, a marketing email with a magic link, go to a website and 
click a checkbox through, uh, through a checkout and just own that NFT right there and then that is then embedded in that brand's you know platform because we have like an SDK or a subdomain that makes it really easy where we kind of don't show our, our face at all. And so I think like what's interesting to us is when you look at brands today, so many of the NFTs that have been built have really taken this kind of scarcity based board ape like approach, sell 10,000 for like 500 bucks, whatever it might be. And in our minds, it's so much more impactful for a brand to get these things out there for free, give them to every single one of their users and get all their users to spend 1% more per year. To us, that seems like a much larger lift and a much more sustainable kind of product than the limited supply. Now we can do both of them. And the reason I bring that up is when you look at the integrations that we have for our building, you know, obviously Shopify is a, a one that comes to mind or variety of the bigger POS systems and CRMs. We try to do things in a way where getting these redemptions, activating the rewards, doing all these things for consumer is super simple. You know, when I think Shopify specifically, you look at what's out there. Um, there's a variety of kind of like token gated apps that are super cool businesses, but many of them do make you as a consumer log your wallet with you to this website. To, to actually redeem these benefits, like buying a t-shirt and whether it be on mobile or desktop for the general market consumer, that's not the easiest thing. So the way that we build out our integration is more so leveraging Shopify's API. So as a consumer, as long as the first time you acquire the NFT, we know what your email is in the future. When you go to Shopify, all you have to do is put your email in without having a wallet or anything. And on the back end, we're checking you on the NFT and then you get the benefits. So again, like kind of, again, from just our ethos around how can we make this so easy for consumers and how can we meet them where they are today, knowing that this kind of new unlock of technology will bring the brand and consumer together. And later on, we'll be able to do some of the other core things that might seem a little bit more kind of web free native. You know, to date, when we think about NFTs, we think about them being finite. So if you own an ape, you get all of the benefits that every other holder of an ape actually gets. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like with Hang, the idea is that with these different tiers, you can almost have a tier one, which creates a new NFT for a new user, creating theoretically an unlimited supply. And depending on how you engage with that brand, that's where your NFT actually continues to level up and you get further rewards. Is that how it operates? Yeah. So... Everyone kind of starts, and again, there's different types of programs you can build. If you want to do a paid finite program, there's select benefits that everyone gets and you use the brand can add and remove them on the fly. You can do that too. Um, and it's a really great way for a lot of brands to get things started. Again, like I think Uber and DoorDash have proven that this is a waddle that works. And if you want to, as a brand, you can even charge a monthly fee that we have a trade on the NFT that has all the benefits. And if you pay, pay the monthly fee, you keep that trade and if you not, and if not, it gets pulled off. For the larger kind of future of what we're trying to build here, again, is that these things are kind of earned programs where brands can decide what those goals are that they want to drive their use, users towards. The easiest one to understand, I think, is getting users to spend more money. And so kind of like what you're saying, everyone starts as a tier one. There's unlimited in supply for as many customers that they have. And as the user takes actions that like spending money, they work towards this goal. When they get to that goal, the NFT levels up to a new tier. When that happens, the artwork can change but the benefits can also change. And so when you think about it, like the scarcity is no longer how many NFTs are being sold. The scarcity is more like a leveling system, which is far more similar to gaming and not just really like play to earn. This stuff in gaming has been happening for many, many years. I want to dive into back to the onboarding a little bit. You know, the reality is we are still early. And so we had Matt, the co-founder of Floor, who recently came in and a big topic of what we discussed was the current state of the market. I'm curious, what's your philosophy on building for the current consumer 
versus focusing on building for the future consumer and specifically like how you're directing those resources? So your, your point is that the crypto, the current consumer by definition is the crypto native consumer, correct? Correct. So we, we throw that out. We think the current consumer is, a, we're working with big brands, traditional brands, they have large user bases. The quote unquote current consumer might be 0.5% of their user base. So why build for them? I mean, we're really building for what you would call the future consumer, which is a brand's current consumer. I know we're like in a maze now, but um, with that, you know, we just try to make it as easy and simple as possible for the current consumer to onboard, which like I said, could be as easy as a branching out um, a marketing blast to all their users. And all you have to do to obtain this thing is click a magic link. It could be going to a sporting event or walking into a, a fast casual restaurant and scanning a barcode and opting in. It could be being in a checkout in a Shopify flow and checking a box saying that I want to opt into it. It could be buying it on a website with a credit card. You know, and there is the ability for the brand also to add you know, the way for the user to pay with Ethereum and bring their MetaMask. But we think of that as like less of a use case. And we're like, again, trying to build for what the future looks like, which is kind of just meeting users where they are today. Super, super interesting. And so you just came off of a, a big fundraising round. What are you trying to prove out over the next six months? So a big part about this is just building out the team. Honestly, um, we've grown it by quite a few people, but we need to double it in the next six to nine months. For us, we're really trying to prove out a few things. I think like when, again, when we started this, this concept was not the most widely accepted, I would say. And, and I think today with the looks of Starbucks and all these other big big players in the traditional world who have loyalty programs coming into it, it's becoming more and more known. And there's a lot more brands looking to do things in the space. And as a result, like maybe we move a little bit faster. But for us, it's really about a few core things. Proving out really strong product market fit with the full earn program um, with a certain number of customers, showing that there is a deep relationship there and that if brands are paying us, you know, a dollar amount per user per month, that after six months or a year, those users are spending that much more that it's worth it. But really kind of like painting this picture that this is wide enough with a variety of brands in different industries and deep enough that all we have to do is kind of pour the fuel on the fire to, to really get to that next level. And so for us, it's like we get so much interest from so many different brands and agencies and chains and platforms. But a big part of it's just making sure that we're focused and sticking with a few really strong design partners that can show this thing works for the world and then kind of go crazy with it. Because I think like you can get distracted. There's so many different applications and use cases, but we just want to stay true and core to like what we believe in. And I've got to know, how was your fundraising experience like in this current climate? It was interesting. You know, we, we, we announced the raise in July and we didn't close the round too far before that, but it was a little bit before. So I'd say it was on the way down, but we didn't totally raise at the bottom. It was a really interesting process. I think like we spoke with a lot of different investors and we raised a little bit of money in January uh, and we're backed by some really strong VCs and founders that really helped kind of get the word out for us and get me in the right rooms with the right people. And honestly, couldn't be happier with how, how it ended up, especially with who our, who our lead was. Um, but I think like one other thing that I learned that I would push on to any kind of future founder or, or founders of today is I think like one thing that I was a little naive with, but past parts of business is that I'm thinking that, oh, if you build the best product in the space with the best functionality, novel technology, whatever it might be, um, it just kind of figures itself out. And what, what I learned, even though those companies, especially the ticking company was, was succeeding, um, what I definitely learned was that having distribution early on is so important. 
So that's why this time around, when we went to raise money, getting the best kind of venture capitalist partner firm for what you're for what we're doing was so important. But at the same time, we wanted to actually stack the cap table with a ton of big brand founders um, and executives who actually can help us as we grow. And so we really did a good job of that, getting some of the biggest kind of brand CEOs and founders across a variety of industries. Yeah, I noticed that you have a bunch of non-crypto native investors. What were their biggest concerns before investing? Let me ask a different question. Was it more macro or more micro? I think a bit of both. So there are some interesting questions. I mean, like a lot of people that aren't in the space yet want to be in the space or want to be in the space. So I wouldn't say it's like the hardest thing in the world. I think especially at a time where the PFPs were blowing up, um, there is skepticism on the collectible side of the things. And is this going to be forever? I think a general question that a lot of people had was, you know, are you actually a technology platform or are you an agency? Because these brands are going to need some help setting things up. And clearly we're a technology platform and we can do a few things that don't scale. But an interesting thing that's happened is we've had so much interest from agencies who just want to like use the platform. And we've had people ask us when they can be like, quote unquote, hang verified or, or have it their hang certificate to actually like lead that for us. Um, the other question, I mean, some people thought of this similar to how people thought of social media in the beginning. And I think like there was a point in time, and again, I, I don't totally agree with this, but there, there was a point in time where I don't agree with this analogy per se, but one perspective was there was a time in the early 2010s when every CMO had one thing and it was how many people can we get to like our Facebook page? And I think that proved to be not that useful or important long-term. And so there was kind of a question on, is this the next version of that? And it's a fad and, and a hype cycle. And those are things that you just have to play through and you have to find the investors who understand it because the big vision here, I think, is, is far beyond that, right? If you understand that crypto is still incredibly niche today, um, there needs to be some sort of thing um, or, or some sort of catalyst to get the world into this into the space. And one thing that we know, and again, coming from the artist and creator world, like I have a lot of thoughts on membership and loyalty programs through NFTs for them. I think brands is a much straightforward, more forward, straightforward path. Um, and I can talk about that probably for an hour, but there are a few things in this world that everyone loves and artists art people love artists, but people also have brands that they love. And most of those people actually like benefits and rewards. And so as a result of that, we believe that NFT based brand memberships can become one of the largest on ramps into crypto, which truly could make hang one of the biggest kind of identity layers on the blockchain. I love that. And those are incredible final words without you even knowing it, but Matt, tell us, where can we find you and hang online? We're at hang.xyz as a website. We need to update our Twitter. If anyone out there can help us get the hang Twitter, that would be great. We're at at hangxyz underscore, and I'm at at estimated, which is estimated with two T's. Matt, this was so much fun. I'm really, really thrilled to see what you're building. Congratulations on the round, and thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you. It's been great. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. That's it, everyone. Hope you enjoyed. Hit that subscribe button and we'll see you next time.